All right, we are still in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is giving uh, his first uh, sermon, full sermon, to the crowds, and to his own people, and to his disciples. Uh, and he's, he's addressing everything. Like I said before, God hasn't spoken to us for a couple hundred years, and he comes out of the gate swinging. Uh, verse 14, speaking of gates, was where we left off last week. Jesus said, For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. That's ominous. Um, in my mind and heart, I want to believe that everybody's going, but it conflicts with Scripture, uh, what I want. Uh, and it's not what God wants. It's that, you know, God wants everyone to come to Him. Uh, these aren't limits that are put on by God. They're limits that are put on by our pride. Um, the gate is there to be found. It's not hidden. It's, not a, it's obscured by our pride. Um, but then he goes on to say, after he says that uh, very few people actually want to walk the path that you have to walk and go through the gate you have to go through. And then he says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Um, after speaking a hard truth about the kingdom, um, Jesus warns us about the ones who will tell us that the truth he just gave us, that the the narrow and the small gate, the narrow road and the small gate, was wrong. People are going to come up, show up, and say, oh, no, it's not. It's, you know, the ones who will claim the broad way and the small gate and the large gate are uh, ways to salvation. The message seems pleasant and harmless, but in the end, it devours those who accept it, just like a wolf. They claim the narrow way isn't inclusive enough and that the broad way is acceptable because, well, God loves you, uh, so you can pretty much do what you want. And what they're basically saying is, yeah, Jesus got it wrong, is basically what they're telling you. This same warning is so important that three of the books of the Bible are largely dedicated to it, and we just went through them. First, Second Peter and the book of Jude are almost uh, at least half of each of those books is dedicated to false prophets and false teachings. Uh, there will be many uh, telling you to leave the narrow and demanding path you're walking and come over to the broad path where <coughs> and your pros where your uh, desires and prosperities line the way. Why are you over there when you could be over here? The road that doesn't cost you until the end. You see, that's the difference in the roads. It's when you pay. The narrow road and the small gate, you pay now. Uh, the wide gate and the broad road, you pay then. And we're not too good at that. If they are teaching nothing but politics, social policy, wealth, health, and happiness, basically doing whatever you want, stop listening to them. They're dangerous. Um, no matter how pleasant looking they are, no matter how many sweet things they say, if that is the core of what they're saying, stop, walk away. Acts 20, 28-31, Paul writes this to the elders at Ephesus. Be on guard uh, for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. So anybody that's in a leadership position in the church has a bit of a responsibility to know this and to watch out for those wolves in sheep clothing and to warn the flock. 
I know that after my departure, Paul writes, savage wolves will come in among you and not sparing the flock, for from among your own selves men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. Be on guard, be on alert, what they're saying is pay attention to what jesus said man there are wolves out there and they're coming i mean they are a part of our existence uh you've met them already you've heard them on tv or on the radio you may have heard them in person but they're there it doesn't tell us to fear them it says be on your guard be alert to protect yourself and the flock and the way you battle their lies is with the truth uh, the way you uh battle the wolf in sheep's clothing is to point at and say that's a wolf that's how you do it you don't have to do anything more than that ezekiel wrote in chapter 13 1 through 10 the word of the lord came to me saying just so you know this has been going on for a long long time and it will go on until god puts an end to it in the very end son of man prophesy against the prophets of israel who say who, who prophesy and say to those who prophesy from their own inspiration listen to the word of the lord thus says the lord god woe to the foolish prophets who are following their own spirit and have seen nothing in other words they're just saying the stuff they want to say O israel your prophets have been like foxes among ruins you have not gone up into the breaches nor did you build the walls around the house of Israel to stand in the battle on the day of the Lord? They see falsehood and lying divination who are saying they are excuse me, they see falsehood and lying divination who are saying the Lord declares when the Lord has not sent them. Yet they hope for the fulfillment of their words. Do, did you not see a false vision and speak a lying divination when you said the Lord declares? But is it not I who have spoken? But it was not I who have spoken. Therefore, says the Lord God, because you have spoken falsehood and, and seen, seen a lie, therefore, behold, I am against you, declares the Lord. So my hand will be against the prophet who sees false visions and utter lying divinations. They will have no place in the council of my people, nor will they be written down in the register of the house of Israel, nor will they enter the land of Israel that you may know that I am the Lord your God. It is definitely because they have misled my people by saying peace when there is no peace. When they're saying everything's okay and right when everything isn't okay and right. And anyone who builds a wall, behold, they plaster it over, they plaster over it with whitewash. So anyone who does tell the truth, they come right after them and wipe it out with a whitewash. And it's serious stuff, and it's been going on, and it's going to go on. You're going to face it in your life. Uh, just like I said, just turn on the TV, uh, or look in your own denomination, or you don't have to go far. You will know them by their fruits, Jesus says next. Uh, how you're going to know the wolves from the sheep. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Uh, now, verses uh, 6 through 20 make the point that what people do is what you judge them by how you know a sheep from a wolf is by their actions 
No, sorry, 16, not 6. So the next couple verses, he, this is so important that he just digs in and lets them know. And from Proverbs 20:11, it is by his deeds that a lad, a lad distinguishes himself if his conduct is pure and right. Conduct deeds more than words. Though words are a part of conduct, but in the end, it's what you do. I think we have a poignant example of this that's going on right now. Uh, that mega church from Australia, was it Hillsong or something like that? Um, they've been in the news, and of course the world can't wait to jump on it. Um, they were booming, man. I mean, they, they, you know, all the celebrities were going there, and I mean, they were filling uh, huge auditoriums and all that, and um, their leadership just uh, crumbled um, in sin, um, you know, doing a lot of things they should have never done. Um, wolves in sheep's clothing and if you paid any attention to what was being taught and what the focus of the worship was uh, it seemed a bit hollow um, offering things that uh, seemed to have little cost attached but anyway it's just one more example of how prevalent this is uh, the wolves go after the sheep it's just that simple uh, because sheep are easy targets, and it is a target of opportunity that has um, a multiplied effect. Go after the church. Um, this assumes a level of sophistication of evil by the wolves who try to hide their true motives behind gracious and congenial words, uh, hence the wolves in sheep clothing, which is why you have to know the word. And once again, you're here, you're at Bible study, you know, I'm preaching to the choir. Uh, but the choir is going to have to preach to other people. You know, there's going to come a time where you're going to have to look somebody in the eye and tell them, you know, you might not want to pay much attention to that. And you're going to have to know why. And But that's part of your job as an elder in this church. Uh, Galatians 5, 19 through 24. Deeds and fruits are defined the things that Jesus are talking about. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outburst of angers, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, the things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not those who do them, those who practice them who make it part of what they do in their spirituality. That's what they're talking about here. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So what it's telling us is the wolves lure you in with the desires of the flesh and they're listed here um, your pride basically I can do whatever I want whatever I want and they know what you want and they'll try to find a way to tell you it's okay to do it um, that that's okay with God and James 3 11 through 13 it talks about the deeds does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water 
Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs, nor can salt uh, water produce fresh? Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. And Matthew 12, uh, 33-34. Either make the, the good tree and its fruit good, or make the bad tree and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit, you brood of vipers, well, talking to the religious leaders who were teaching the people wrong. Uh, how can you, being evil, speak what's good? For the mouth speaks uh, that which the heart is filled. You cannot be both. If they are doing evil, they are evil. This applies specifically and especially to the religious leaders. What they do defines what they are. They may be able to preach a sermon that brings people to tears but if they're doing things that they should not be doing if they're using the people of God for financial gain or to just uh, enact their will uh, they're evil they're wolves it's just that simple second Peter 2 14 uh, Peter said having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin enticing unstable souls having a heart trained in greed accursed children you know in those things uh, adultery and greed the two things that seem to drive it all uh, Jesus says goes on to say so every good tree bears good fruit but the bad tree bears bad fruit a good tree cannot produce bad fruit nor can a good tree, a bad tree produce good fruit well he's driving the point home uh, honest to goodness it's what they're doing that matters every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire another reference to the judgment and punishment in his sermon it's easy to forget about this basic truth or try to reason it away um, Matthew was full of uh, references to punishment and it's real and another thing that people want to teach you and preach you is that that's eh, just poetry no it's not uh, Matthew 3 7 through 10 uh, John the Baptist good fruit and repentance but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism he said to them you brood of vipers what he's saying is he's in front of everybody's gone look wolves wolves right there in sheep's clothing those people are wolves who warned you to flee from the wrath that is coming? Wrath. Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. What he's saying is, repent and prove that you repented. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that these stones, God is able to raise up the children of Abraham. The axe is already laid to the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Acts 26, 19 through 20, what the good fruits are. So, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept on declaring both to those in Damascus first and also to those in Jerusalem then throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God performing deeds appropriate to repentance in other words proving what you said living what you said you were going to do saying it 
proves nothing. John 15, 2. Every branch in me that does in me, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it bears more fruit. Um, <laughs> either way, there's some cutting being done. If no proof of repentance, then pulled out. If fruitful, pruned to make even more fruitful. Yes, we all get pruned. And pruning is cutting things away, uh, snipping them off, and the things that are thrown away are, are just discarded or burned up. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Titus 2.14 Who gave himself to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. First Peter 3.13 Who is to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? So we have all this scripture telling us that what we do matters. Uh, how we treat people, how we react, the things we say, the things we do, even especially in private, in our own homes, they all matter. Um, Jesus goes on to say in verse 20, So then, you will know them by their fruit. See, you could pretend for a while, you could fake it for a while, uh, but uh, your deeds, your fruit, are going to show up. Uh, because God will expose them. <laughs> he just doesn't allow it to keep going. And he's, and here's the, here's the tough one, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Um, the word Lord implies that he has authority to tell you what to do. So what Jesus is saying is, if you're calling me Lord and not doing what I'm saying, then what's the point? Uh, this is an extension of the point that the words are not what define us to God. Obedience to the word is the true sign of righteousness. Our actions prove if Jesus is our Lord. It's just that simple. Our deeds prove it. Uh, or as Ephesians said, our good works. The good tree bears the good fruit of obedience. Uh, they will walk the walk. And Luke 6.46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Isn't that a contradiction of terms? Uh, you know, it's like military intelligence. You know, the, uh, how can I be? If you're not doing what I say, why are you calling me Lord? Um, John 13, 12 through 17. Knowing versus doing. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? And I, he's asking about washing the feet. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am so. If then the Lord and teacher washes your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things... You are blessed if you do them. Theology, what you know, does not produce righteousness. If it doesn't do that, if your theology doesn't lead you to good works, 
it has no value. You just know stuff. And the stuff that you know will be used to judge against you. God will say, you know it. Why didn't you do it? You can't plead ignorance. Because there's a whole lot of people out there that are preaching from the scripture that are preaching wrong. And they're claiming that what they're preaching from scripture is the truth. So they're claiming they know the truth and then they're living a lie. Many will say, oh, here it is again. Many. And we had few, now we have many. We should start to get a feel for how the actual truth that's here. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons. In your name perform many miracles. Didn't we do stuff? Many, once again, Jesus gives a frame of reference to how many will come to the Lord, how many walk the narrow way, and how many walk the broad way. God has done everything that, he could, that could be done, going far beyond what should be done. We call that grace. The way is narrow, the gate is small. Remember, Jesus is addressing the Jews here. This may be referencing directly to them, but it's surely a truth that references to all of us. In the end, we all get what we choose. Many will choose their own way over God's and expect God to honor it because they somehow link it to a scripture, what they did. The second time Jesus makes this point in this message, uh, see verse 13. He said the same thing. It's a repeated point. And he said, enter through the narrow gate. The gate is wide and many who lead to broad destruction. There are many who enter through it. Okay. Luke 13, 23-30 puts it this way. And someone said to him, Lord, are there just a few who are being saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able a harsh reality. Uh, he goes on to talk about the the guest who knock on the door. He says, I don't know you. You know, let us in, Lord. I don't know you. And then he says to him, depart from me, you evildoers. The reason he doesn't know them is they're evildoers. Uh, and it says, in that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves are thrown out. Uh, they will come from the east and the west, the north and south, and will recline at the table of the kingdom of God. That's us. That is, Je that is Jesus telling the Jews, we're coming. They're going to be thrown out, and we're coming in. And behold, some who are last will be first, and some who are first will be last. That has broad application. You can apply that to a lot of things. But in this case, I honestly believe that Jesus is applying it to the Gentiles and the Jews. Uh, us and them. John 14, 5 through 6, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way. That's it. There is nothing else. I'm the narrow gate. I'm the, I'm the, the narrow way, the small gate. And no one comes to the Father but through me. That's it. There's nothing else. Verse 23. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. And what he's saying is, it's not that they lost their salvation. They never had it. They were never his. Uh, Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, whose deeds prove what tree they are, who practice it. I'm not talking about people who fall. I'm talking about people who live it. Um, the bad fruit from the bad tree will be thrown out of the presence of God. 
<coughs> Excuse me. I'm pooping out. Once again, those who are not his are kept from his presence. Those who did not want him here will not have him there. That's a simple... Just remember that. If you didn't want him here, you won't have him there. They get what they wanted. They arrived at the destination that the broad road leads to. And God told them the whole time, that's where this road leads. The whole time they traveled at any point, and says, you know, you're going to destruction. Matthew 25, 41. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me. This is talk about how it all ends, what's at the end of the roads, the narrow road and the broad road. Uh, the, the wolves that want you to go on the broad road. Well, this is all the things of how it ends. It ends without God. Um, you know, there's some controversy over this about uh, hell being separated from God and all that stuff. You know, look it up, see what you want. But Scripture is abundantly clear uh, what it keeps saying about being cast from the presence of God. He will say to those on his left, Depart from me. This is the goats, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Banished to the place prepared for the wolves of the church. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-9 And to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven and his mighty angels in flaming fire dealing out retribution to those who do not know God. I don't know how you get around those words, retribution. And to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction. And here's the phrase, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Um, you know, there are people who tell you that hell isn't away from the presence of God, but I don't know how they get around this and all the other ones that what they'll tell you is uh, well if God is omnipresent then he's everywhere we yeah, have but if God is all-powerful he can do whatever he wants um, nothing can thwart his will if he wants to not be there as far as I'm concerned who's gonna stop him Matthew 8 11 through 12 I say to you many will come from the east and the west reclining at the table with Abraham Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. You know who that is? That's us. The many who will come and recline at the table with the who are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Jews. That's us. Many. Everybody sitting here, everybody you see on the screen, that's us. But the sons of the kingdom, the Jews, will be cast out into the outer darkness in that place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, darkness, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. Pain, suffering, sadness, darkness. Um, you can get into arguments over what hell is, but none of that sounds particularly uh, inviting. John seventeen twenty four. Further, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am. That's the exact opposite. Those who are not his are cast away. Those who are his, stay with him. Uh, Matthew 25, 46, it's, it's implied. These will go away to eternal punishment, 
but the righteous to eternal life. So, not only is it away from the Lord, it's away from the Lord forever. And the narrow way leads to being with the, with the Lord forever. Verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Acting on the words of Jesus is obedience, is the producer of good fruit. Obedience is the wise choice. You get rewarded from what you choose to invest in. Obedience to Jesus is the wisest thing a person could do with their free will. Uh, it's your choice what you do with your free will. There's nothing better or will give you a bigger return than this will. The rewards are many and they are eternal. They will never devalue. And, uh, hey, Mikey. Um, uh, he said, the rock, not a rock. The hymn on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, comes to my mind. He's talking about the singular thing, not on rocks in general, but on the rock. There are only two types of soil noted here. We are one or we are the other, sand or rock. Your life is built on one or is built on the other. Even the parable of the seed and the sower, which expands the bad soil out into different categories. Uh, there are only two results at the end of that parable. You know, it, good things or bad things. That's it. There are only two types of fruits noted, good and bad. There are only two roads, narrow and broad. There are only two gates, uh, narrow and wide. There are only two outcomes. There are only two outcomes, destruction or life. Verse 25, the rain fell. Let's see where I'm at here. Okay, cool. The rain fell and the floods came. The winds blew. This is the people who built their houses on sand or on rock. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. The rain and floods over the rain and floods come to everybody. See, this is important. It's telling us that someone who built their life on Jesus Christ still faces the rain and the floods. But the difference is they stand. All the thing the rain and the floods do is wash them clean. We live our lives on a floodplain of sin. All of us do. We put ourselves there, and it comes with it. But those who build their lives on the Lord will not be moved. They will become stronger. Well, what he says is pruned instead of being destroyed and thrown into the fire. Verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act, do, on them, will be like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. It's not what you listen to, not what you read or study, it's what you do. Theology or agenda does not supersede obedience. They are to foster obedience. That's why you do them. We study so we can know what we can know about God and act within his will. That's why we do this. Not so that we could say we're smart. <laughs> because if you, the more you know and the less you do, the dumber you are. Uh, and you will answer for it. Ecclesiastes 12, uh, 11 through 14. The words of a wise man are like goads. The masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. 
they are given by one shepherd. But beyond this, my son, be warned. The writings of many books is endless, and an excessive devotion to books is wearying to the body. The conclusion, which is the conclusion of Ecclesiastes, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments. You read books and you study and you listen to teachers so you can do that, so that you know what God's will is. Because God's never impressed with our knowledge. Because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment. Everything which is hidden, whether it is good or whether it is evil. That's a fact, Jack. Verse 27, The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. This is the one built on sand. Those who fail to act on the word face catastrophic outcomes when the trials and pressures of this life come their way. Their beliefs collapse under pressure. When Jesus finished these words, the crowd was amazed at his teaching. So that's what he left with, by the way. He concludes his sermon with this that you're going to be washed away and everybody knows who he's talking about and who he's talking to. Jesus had finished uh, is that phrase, Jesus had finished. Uh, Matthew says that five times uh, to signal conclusion to the end of a particular message so that you know that the what follows isn't a continuation of this. Uh, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Matthew uses that four times. 728, 1130, uh, 1354, 1925, and 2233. Remember the miracles of Jesus. Okay, we just finished. The miracles of Jesus were to bring people to the words of Jesus. Jesus did all those miracles so that they would come and hear this sermon. Because everybody that he healed died. They... It, the words last forever. The healing, it runs its course. And his words amazed the people. They said, I've never heard that. That is a truth spoken in a way that I've never heard spoken. People were just coming to be healed. They were coming to learn dynamic truth put in an understandable way. And that's our mission to live it with our deeds. And as scripture says, when people ask you where your hope comes from, be ready to tell them. Know what you're talking about. Know what you believe and why you believe it. But the deeds have to be the thing that come out of it. The words of Jesus met the need of his target audience. He spoke to them what they needed to hear in a way that simplified basic truth they had not heard for quite some time. He would use scripture as a foundation and expanded on its meaning as he is the author. He spoke as one who knew what he was talking about when it comes to scripture because he wrote it. For he was teaching them, 29, for he was teaching them as one having authority, not as one of their scribes. You know, when you speak the simple truth to people, and you speak it in a way that you know you know it, people know. When you're not just regurgitating something that you read or saw, uh, 
but you know it. Uh, it makes a difference. Jesus got it. The scribes did not. The people could tell the difference. They could tell the difference. He had authority of authorship. Everyone else was explaining what he wrote. Jesus was explaining himself. And it changed the world. Amen. Any comments, criticisms, questions, anything? So we will pick up on 8-1. We finish a chapter. Victory. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a more longer term question. Sure. But I don't think it'll fit for this evening and you're sick, so it's probably better. Save for another day, but I will put sure. it out there for now. Absolutely, buddy. Uh, yeah, I am pooping out here. Good. There are a bunch of um, uh, terms like destruction and things that were starting to cast out. And I wondered how that fit with your view of annihilationism versus uh, eternal suffering in hell because it seems to have enough to go either way. Yeah, um, yeah. And I know that it's, uh, it's kind of a big topic at the moment in online circles. And this has been interesting. I mean, I don't personally have my set theology on it, but I was right, curious. Right. So, basically, do people, uh, the, the ones who go to the left, uh, where it says eternal fire, eternal suffering, and then there's another camp that basically means, well, there's annihilation. It's, it's you don't exist anymore. Um, most of what I read in the scripture, and I understand why both sides are saying what they're saying. Uh, if you've looked into it, you see it too. Um, but the the heavy weight of it is it is an eternal thing that um, it goes on uh, you go on living into what you chose um, that's why the road really matters and once again I will all you know I preface everything with everybody gets what they wanted um, that is the underlying thing that you needed to know if you didn't want God in your life, you won't have him in your eternity. If you wanted God in your life, you will have him in your eternity. I'm not sure what would be better, brother, uh, to have eternity without God in existence or to just be annihilated. Uh, which is the harsher punishment? Yeah. You know? Well, um, yeah, I go back and forth on that. I do too. Uh, and it's a, it's a valid point and the, the more you read scripture, the more these things come up and God wants you to know because he wants you to know him and knowing the answer to that question gives you more understanding of who he is and you know your God better um, no matter which it is I know he's just uh, I tend to see it as being left to yourself and uh, that in and of itself will bring um, weeping and gnashing of teeth uh, could you imagine what we would do with this place if his present wasn't here I, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, that's a very simplified version of hell, but that answers it for me. An eternity away from the God who created us to be eternal. Um, yeah, I don't believe that it's uh, you're just done away with and become nothingness, uh, no matter whether you're righteous or unrighteous. Um, yeah. Uh, excellent point. I've thought about that for years, and I can't look at you and say, "Yeah," which is why people are discussing it. 
and they've been discussing it for a long time. It's like heaven in the sense that we've gotten what we need for here and now, and we'll figure out what comes later. The important thing you need to know is one is bad and one is good. Yeah, so. but it is also there is also a value in seeking and knowing all the truth of God. Because if it's in there, it's in there because he wants you to know it. Right. And um, it just seems to me the vast, there's like 90% here and 10% there, but I can't ignore the 10% here. So that's how I view it. Anything else? Thanks, Kev, by the way. Good question. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you, and Lord, I just thank you uh, for this time, for your people, and for your presence here. We ask that your word find a home in our hearts and change us. And when it does, uh, we become part of the light in this world, not part of the darkness. Watch over my brothers and sisters. Make them strong, wise, brave, and compassionate. And help them to glorify your name and what they think, do, and say. In Jesus' name, amen.